Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Highway Community Podcast for Sunday, September 26th, 2021. Three years ago, in October of 2018, our entire staff team began a two and a half year missional leadership cohort. And at our very first retreat, the speaker was a church planter, pastor, author, and community builder named Hugh Halter. And as he began to share the philosophy and framework for what makes missional church communities unique, he talked about how churches, when they are started, typically begin with ecclesiology, which is the fancy word for the branch of theology relating to the nature and the structure of the church. And so churches are typically started from the perspective of what do we want the church to look like and be like. They're typically started with ecclesiology, and then there is Christology, which is the fancy word for what we believe about the person and the nature and the role of Jesus. And then out of that flows the church's missiology, which is what they believe about mission and missional activity. And so typically, Churches are organized first around ecclesiology, then Christology, and then missiology. But Hugh Halter argued, from a missional perspective, that those organizing principles should actually be reordered. He said that what we should actually start with is Christology. We should start with what we believe about Jesus— And then allow Jesus, who was wholly and fully committed to his father's mission of bringing the presence of the kingdom of God on earth, to inform our sense of mission, and then allow the structures of the church to be informed by that. And as I saw those same three words written in two different sequences on the oversized post-it note presentation pad, ecclesiology, Christology, missiology, followed by Christology, missiology, ecclesiology. It was one of the biggest aha moments in all of my years in ministry. Now, just over 21 years ago, The highway community was launched with the vision of being a church that would connect Generation X, the first generation of Americans that was raised without religion, and the first postmodern generation in America, to Jesus. And everything about the nature and the structures of the church, right? everything from the location, which was the Haymarket Theater at Palo Alto High School, right across the street from Stanford University, the the geographic center of postmodernism at the turn of this century. And everything from that location to the style of music to the ambiance, which was largely characterized by low light and lots of candles, to, to the use of video and digital media to communicate and connect with the broader culture, everything reflected that vision of of reaching Generation X. 
And so, like the vast majority of church plants, we started with what the church was going to be. And of course, that's not to suggest in any way that Christology and missiology were not were not and have not been important. It's just to say that that's not where we started. We started with ecclesiology. Now, in theory, the idea of a church being centered on Jesus, a church being centered on Christology, shouldn't be particularly provocative. In Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus was at the height of his popularity, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they replied in Matthew chapter 16, verse 14, that some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But then Jesus asked, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter seemingly instinctively replied, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 says that Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You are Peter, Jesus said, and on this rock, I will build my church. Notice the personal possessive pronoun that Jesus uses there. On this rock, I will build my church. The church, Jesus declares, belongs to him. It's his. And that is something that the Apostle Paul reinforces in his writings as well. As he opens his letter to the Ephesians, Paul writes in chapter 1, verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet, and he's referring to Jesus there, and appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so Jesus, Paul says, is the head over everything for the church, which is his body. We see something similar in Paul's letter to the Colossians as well, in the well-known verses that are sometimes referred to as the Christ hymn. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, that Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So once again, we see that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. But despite all of that, there was nevertheless something very profound in this very simple reordering that Hugh Halter was presenting. As something so profound in, in the idea of the church being built first 
on Jesus, having Christology first and then allowing our understanding of mission and the structures of the church to be informed by that. It was just this really incredible moment of clarity and understanding. But it was, it was one of those moments, and, and maybe you have experienced this at some point too, where all of a sudden language was found to explain something that was alive and stirring in the midst of all of the changes and transitions that, that Highway was experiencing at the time. And it created a sense of imagination, a sense of newness, and a centering. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul reveals that as followers of Jesus, we are on a journey of being transformed into his likeness. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And at Highway, we believe that at the very core of that journey of transformation into the likeness of Christ is Jesus' greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Something else that we believe at Highway is that this journey of following Jesus is not something that we do alone. Following Jesus is not something that we do alone. It's something that we do together with others. And so it makes sense then that as we engage with one another on that journey of being formed in the likeness of Jesus, Uh, that the church should similarly be formed in the likeness of Jesus as well. That as we engage with one another on the journey of being formed in the likeness of Jesus, the church should similarly be formed in the likeness of Jesus as well. And so, what would that look like? Well, this morning, we are beginning a new teaching series exploring exactly that entitled The Highway Community, Volume 2. Because at the very heart of the vision for the new volume of ministry that we're embarking on together as a church is a community that is centered on Jesus. And so our series will be exploring what it looks like for us as a church to be shaped by the person of Jesus and his command that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And over the next nine weeks, guided by Jesus, we'll explore what it looks like to be a community that is connected to the Father, what it looks like to be a missional community, to be a humble community, to be a welcoming community, to be a generous community, and to be a sacrificial community. And as we begin this morning, I want to preface both the series and the season by 
naming a couple of things that are important for us to recognize as we step into volume two together. And the first is that highway volume two is a long-term direction. Highway volume two is a long-term direction. It is a marathon and not a sprint. Or uh, to borrow the title from Eugene Peterson's book on the Psalms of Ascents, it's a long obedience in the same direction. And so this is not a story that we will complete in a year, but rather, like volume one, a story that will have many chapters that unfold over the course of many years. And we should also expect that, like any spiritual formation process, the formation of our church community will not always be linear and at times might be messy as well. So we should expect many adventures ahead in the coming years as we journey together, which is definitely exciting. Something else that is important to recognize, I think, about Highway Volume 2 is that it is not merely aspirational. Highway Volume 2 is not simply aspirational. Now, it certainly is aspirational in part, but it's also something that God has already been doing among us over the course of the past several years that we are now naming and embracing. And so, similar to the way that we talk about the nature of the kingdom of God, there's, there's very much a now and not yet aspect to Highway Volume 2. And over the course of this series, we will be intentionally spotlighting both the ways that God has already been moving in our church community, as well as the new things that we sense him inviting us into. So, Highway Volume 2 is a long-term direction. It's not merely aspirational. And then something else that's important to recognize about Highway Volume 2 is that it is built on the legacy of what has come before. Highway Volume 2 is built on the legacy of what's come before. One of the many things that God has been teaching me over the course of really the last few years now, and, and even more especially over the course of the COVID pandemic, has been about how to embrace change. Because, right, there has been a ton of it in, in every area of life. And Highway has certainly not been immune to that. But there has been a lot of change for us as a church community, too. And for me, a part of embracing that change has involved recognizing and celebrating the good things that have come before and the privilege that it has been to be involved in that, while at the same time seeing God's wisdom and mercy and grace as he is about his work of making all things new. And recognizing also that the new things are not really possible without the legacy of what's come before. But that, that for Highway, it's really through the legacy of a church that was planted 21 years ago. And the legacy of Community Bible Church of Mountain View, who joined us on the journey 16 years ago. 
and the legacy of the Palo Alto Church of Christ, who joined us on the journey six years ago. Right? And, through, and through all of the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns and the stability and the change, right? it's, it's through all of that that God has been about his work of moving us and shaping us for this moment. Right? Where we find ourselves now is very much because of what's come before. Right? God has been preparing us and he has been growing us all along. And, and the graphic for this teaching series really captures that. It's an aerial image of lush, verdant trees with a road, a, a highway running right through the middle of them. And, and above the series title, Highway Volume 2, is a compass. And, and, and all of that, I think, is a great representation of where we find ourselves as a community. Right? And that is cutting a new highway through this lush, verdant growth. And I love the compass, a, a symbol for direction as, as a reminder for us of the course that we are setting for volume two, right? that we would be a community centered on Christ that belongs to and stands on the person of Jesus and everything that he shows us about God's heart for the world. As we embark on this teaching series, exploring what it looks like for us as a church to be centered on and shaped by the person of Jesus. Uh, this morning, we are going to celebrate communion, the practice that so powerfully reminds us of how God has shown his unfailing love for us through the life, the death, and the resurrection of his son, Jesus. And as we prepare to take the elements together this morning. The bread, which represents Jesus' body, and the cup, which represents Jesus' blood. I want to return to the passage that I referenced earlier from Colossians chapter 1, Paul's Christ hymn, which reminds us in such a beautiful and poetic way of the supremacy and the majesty of our Lord and Savior. And so I want to invite you now just to, to close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that and able to do that right now. And just listen as I read Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. I'll leave a moment or two for us to to quiet ourselves before I begin. And then I'll also leave some space afterwards for us to continue to listen before we take the elements together. So let's just take a moment now to quiet ourselves before we hear God's word.
The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Luke chapter 22, verse 19, says that Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. May we do this in remembrance of him as well. Father, we are grateful for the love that you have shown to us through your son, Jesus, whom you were pleased to have all of your fullness dwell in. We thank you, Father, for his reconciling work and for the way that he made peace through the blood that he shed on the cross that we remember through these elements. And Father, I pray for our church community as we begin this new season. Father, our heart is to be a community that truly is centered on you. And Father, I pray that as we endeavor to be shaped by the person of your son, Jesus, and as we endeavor to be shaped by your command that we love you with all of ourselves and that we love our neighbors as ourselves, 
Father, that you and the presence of Jesus and the presence of your kingdom would be seen in our midst. Thank you, Father, for all of the ways that you have been growing us and shaping us and preparing us through the years. Would you continue to keep us centered on you through your spirit? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.